This is the Retail Politics Podcast. Here we strive to give you the best political information about your nation. One download at a time. Here's your host, former congressional correspondent and award-winning reporter, Jerry Shields. Thank you, listeners, for spending another 30 minutes of your precious time as we discuss today the politics of the Supreme Court, a blockbuster session on the horizon. We have a Gallup poll showing the court's approval rating at about 40 percent, the lowest since 2000. The justices have been out in public defending the court, which is uh, some people say kind of remarkable. Um, We may have a justice uh, step down and we have those volatile issues to be addressed, including gun rights, church and state affirmative action. We've got, of course, the big abortion issue. And today we are very grateful to have John Fritzy, USA Today, Supreme Court reporter. So hello, John. Hey, Jerry. Hey, uh, you know, I used to watch roller derby and there was a great announcer when it got real rough and and his name was Elmer Anderson. And he would say, excitement, you better believe it. And that's what we got. (laughs) That's what we got here. Lots of drama. So I wanted to ask you, we talked a little bit. I talked a little bit about that stuff at the beginning. Um, Do you think this is an outgrowth of just the political hatred in America between Republicans and Democrats, this political polarization? I mean, to a point, I think that the court has worked hard to avoid that, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, is, you know, has happened everywhere else. Certainly Congress and between the White House, this last presidential election. And I think the court under John Roberts has been really eager to avoid that. And I think the question is, can they avoid it now? Um, you can avoid it when you're not you know, taking really tough uh, issues, uh, which I think one could argue for the last couple of terms they haven't. But. This term, you know, everybody's paying attention, man. I was at the court today. All right. The abortion case isn't even going to get argued until December, but there were already people out there. Uh, (laughs) So people are are fired up about this. Uh, Well, yeah, they had the big march over the weekend, the woman's march. And uh, you mentioned Roberts and he's going to be interested because, you know, it's a 6-3 conservative um, majority in the court, uh, three liberals, and Roberts has kind of been the ideological center. He's he's been uh, almost the swing vote. He's been the, and and is he going to be diluted in this in this situation with the six three? He's got five on his right now. Yeah, I think the answer is yes. I think uh, Ro- you know Roberts um, is no longer like by the math, he's not the center anymore. Brett Kavanaugh. So and, and everybody's you know written that story. Um, I sort of wrote a little bit of a counter story, which I'm still uh, I think I feel good about still um, saying that Robert still has a considerable amount of power um, because I think he has a certain degree of soft power. And I do think that we saw these cases last term that were this sort of three, three, three argument. Um, in other words, Kavanaugh and and Roberts and maybe Barrett uh, coming together. And forming an alliance with one or two liberals, I, I think that um, I think that like the the main story is yes, Roberts is not the the swing vote that he once was. I'm just I'm not convinced that it's like game up for Roberts. Um, yeah, yeah, I he's well respected. I mean, they they all respect him, and I I think his yeah. his opinion will always hold a lot more sway as the chief justice, and and I think that's been traditional. But 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 you're right in that. Like you saw in in um, some of the recent shadow docket rulings, particularly the Texas abortion case. 
um, you saw Roberts uh, breaking away with with the conservatives on that. So, um, you know, there are these cases where Roberts is sort of lining up with the liberals and the conservatives are like, all right, we're going to do our own thing. Um, and so you you mentioned uh, um, the uh, docket, the secret. What is it called? The secret docket? Shadow docket. Shadow docket. I'm sorry. Anyway, that's gotten a lot of attention. And, and tell us a little bit what the shadow docket is and, and why it's become controversial lately. It has. It has. I mean, look, the thing to keep in mind is that there has always been a shadow docket. It's not a new thing. There's always been this emergency docket. What's new is this name, shadow docket. Um and what's also new is like the number of cases and the type of cases that are coming up on it. So, you know, usually when a court does an argument, it goes through um, like months and months of briefing. And then they schedule these like really detailed oral arguments. And like, you know, the court moves at sort of a glacial pace on mm-hmm. a case. In the emergency appeals docket or the shadow docket, um, there is no oral argument. The briefs are done like super quick over the course of a couple of days. And we get these rulings that are short. Sometimes they're a paragraph or two. Sometimes we don't know who's voting or who's writing it. Um, there's less transparency. And, uh, you know, that's always been the case. What's new is that um, the number of cases coming up, the type of cases coming up, and how huge these controversies are. And, you know, so the, over the summer, you saw the abortion case was the big one out of Texas. But you also saw... Um, Biden's eviction moratorium getting shot down mm-hmm. uh, by the Supreme Court. You saw um, Biden trying to unwind a Trump administration policy on immigration called MPP mm-hmm. or Remain mm-hmm. in Mexico. Yes, that yes, got shot yes, down, yes, right? Yes. So, so you've got like these, you know, three huge cases in a row going the conservative way um, on this emergency dock. And I think that's in particular got progressives fired up and, and upset about it. And Shadow Docket is cool. I mean, Shadow Docket. Yeah. It's had more drama, more theater to it. Talking about justices, we got uh, Stephen Breyer, 83. There seems to be pressure for him uh, to step down before the possibility that the Senate will become Republican next year during the midterms, which would mean, um, you know, Biden wouldn't have you know, an easy way of getting his uh, his uh, nominee through should someone some leave or die. Uh, what do you think the pressure of Breyer is? Do you think he's going to going to do that? I mean, we had Ginsburg who didn't do it when Obama said to do it. And that ended up after she died. I think it was Barrett that came aboard. Um, are they are they pushing him the same way? They're not because it didn't work last time. I mean, I think, you know, Breyer. um Look, Breyer is one of the only ones on, on that court that served in all three branches. And mm-hmm. he spent time working for the Senate Judiciary Committee under Senator Kennedy. And so he's a guy who understands the politics of the moment. Um, so I think he gets it maybe m- more than some might. Um, but, you know, I think he disappointed progressives a great deal by not stepping down this term. And um, I think <laughs> I think everybody will sort of think he will next term, but who knows? I mean, I, I think the big question there may be more one for Congress and, and you've covered some of this stuff. Like, do you think Mitch McConnell will, if, if, <laughs> well, Mitch McConnell, um, if he gets control of the Senate, let's say Breyer steps down, will he like hold off on a Biden 
nominee for two years maybe you know like is that is that a possibility um i don't know right i think that's what progressives are worried about yeah yeah well i, I i've never seen that i don't think i've seen it that long and uh, there'd be a lot of pressure maybe we get a moderate more than uh, more than the liberal that biden wants but uh the, the other thing that was interesting the presidential commission so biden forms a presidential commission to study the structure of the court talking about limiting the life terms adding seats to the bench i don't see any of this happening do you no i really don't think so i don't think biden wants any part of this um i think that the white house has been pretty hands-off on this whole thing and i think it's a pretty clear signal that um that biden's not going to put any political capital behind this look I, don't, I just don't think a president runs for re-election on reforming the supreme court um and i'm not convinced that the american public is all that fired up about this um it is true as you noted at the top the poll numbers are down um if you look deeply into some of these polls, there's been three or four. Uh, Gallup has just won. There's, there's been a couple of others. And if you look into them, you'll see that the huge drop in support has been among Democrats. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's almost entirely come since the court's decision in the Texas abortion case. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I think people are I think progressives are upset. Um, conservatives are about where they were. Um, I just I have a really hard time seeing Congress spending political capital with everything else going on on making changes to the Supreme Court. Um, and I think the court's aware of that. I mean, I just think they know, you know. Yeah. And, and you and I have covered this, you know, politics long enough. I mean, this is the same as the filibuster situation in a sense, right? Like we got to get rid of the filibuster because the Republicans can block us. And when the Republicans, uh, when the Democrats, I mean, I guess the Republicans who were trolled, Democrats say get rid of the filibuster when the Democrats are in control. Republicans say get rid of filibuster. And it seems like every time um, the court kind of gets heavy on one side, this issue um, kind of raises its head. So um, we've been talking about that giant case, the Texas abortion law. Justice is voting 5-4 to uphold the law um, that many people say for intents and purposes prevents abortions after six weeks, um, which many women say they don't even know if they're pregnant by that time. Um, they're going to revisit this abortion issue again this term? I would be shocked if they don't. Um, mm -hmm. There is already the the um, abortion advocates in this particular case have already um, brought it back to the Supreme Court in the merits docket. At the earliest, they would look at that maybe in December. Mm -hmm. But there's all this other litigation around now, right? And the big case, the big dog, I think, is this um, Justice Department uh, lawsuit, uh, you know, Biden Justice Department came in shortly after the Supreme Court decision and sued Texas. And that is a case where uh, we are now waiting on a district court judge in Texas to rule on whether to temporarily block the law. And if that judge, an Obama judge, uh, does uh, rule to block the law, then it will get appealed to the Fifth Circuit and then it will be back at the Supreme Court on the emergency docket. Um, maybe sometime this month, maybe sometime early next month. Um, I'd be shocked if that case is, in fact, before the court by the end of the year. But does it change? I mean, is there a possibility that the 5-4 can change um, maybe something in the law, something that someone finds and, and, and comes up with in these cases? Yeah, I think there is because it came up on a different issue. I mean, I think... Um, there is some like the, the, the Supreme Court. So I mean, not to get really you can get really wonky on this case. Okay, but <laughs> I, I'm sure, you know, folks have heard like th there's two things going on here. There's the abortion issue, which which really hasn't been before the court yet. And then there's this enforcement thing, 
where instead of the state enforcing the law, which is how it normally works, right? Mm-hmm. You pass a law. Mm-hmm. If you if you have an abortion, then you break the law. You know, mm-hmm. you get arrested, right? State state handles that. They did this funky thing where they've got private citizens suing, and and they did that for exactly this reason because it's not mm-hmm. clear who to sue. Like, mm-hmm. who do you sue to stop that? Mm-hmm. And and the the way the abortion providers handle that is they sued a bunch of state judges um, mm-hmm. that would um, you know issue the orders to um, or be handling these civil cases. And the Supreme Court basically said, hey, you can't do that because these judges don't even have any cases yet. Right. They're not. You can't sue them. <laughs> and that was the argument. So by, by the Justice Department getting in, it sort of takes away that that procedural issue. So, yes. I, and I, I got to be honest, like I don't hear Mitch McConnell out applauding this bill like mm-hmm. i don't really hear mm-hmm. a lot of conservatives super mm-hmm. excited about this texas thing mm-hmm. i think you know they think it's great that abortion has been restricted that's been a generations long push on the conservative movement i get that but i'm not sure that conservatives love this enforcement piece of it um there's potential problems for them right like you see democrats maybe pulling some of that in blue states um uh, i don't know that that that's a thing that doesn't make many conservatives queasy as well mm-hmm. so i could totally see the supreme court striking down the texas law but then upholding the mississippi law which is yeah. you know a 15-week abortion i could totally see that happening and, and you make a great point i mean we got the midterms next year this this could be a, a you know a volatile issue that people are voting on i mean um, especially in toss-up states and uh, we've been battling over this for 50 right. years when does it stop right. I know. I mean, I think, yeah, I think voting on it, but also fundraising on it. I mean, the mm-hmm. amount of fundraising that I think goes on over this issue is pretty substantial. And do you, do you see it coming to an end at all? I mean, is this just going to keep going on? It's hard to predict. I mean, I, you know, I think that um, so in the Mississippi, so Texas is like on this procedural stuff. It's really wonky. I think it's really hard for journalists to write about. I think mm-hmm. it's hard for readers and Americans to understand. Um, it's really procedural. The Mississippi case is way easier, um, you know, because so that's a 15 week ban on most abortions. And in that case, the state of Mississippi is expressly asking the Supreme Court to overturn Roe. It's very clear Mm -hmm. what they want Um, and what they want is what conservatives have wanted for a long time and what Donald Trump promised to deliver, by the way, with his with his justices. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I think that, that that is a case that we're likely to get some more definitive answers on. Um, the court, you know, they don't really like to overturn precedent. So they're never going to write in an opinion, well, we overturned Roe. Right. Um, I think what they're going to do is move the line a little bit. And I think then that opens up more litigation. So will it ever end? No, I don't think so. Yeah. And, and that Mississippi case, how long before that comes up, do you think? So that's going to be argued in December, uh, mm-hmm. and I would uh, I would suspect that that case is going to be the last one we're going to get. It's going to be the big bombshell uh, on the last day of the term. So that would be like late June, early July. Yeah, you got to end with theater. John. You got to end with fireworks. Gun rights. Uh, taking a look at a New York law that prohibits concealed carry. Uh, justices usually steer away from the gun rights cases. They have been. Uh, why take up this one, do you think? Well, they have been lately. I mean, we haven't seen a, a really important guns case in 10 years at the court. And that was the cases in Heller and McDonald. Those were cases that struck down uh, Washington, D.C. and Chicago's ban on uh, owning guns in your in your home. 
And, you know, at that time, Justice Scalia, uh, who wrote the opinion in, in the Heller case, said that, um, you know, the, this all this stuff about sort of the home being the castle and um, if you can't have a gun in your home under the Second Amendment, where, you know, where could you have it? Mm-hmm. And left unanswered in that opinion was, well, what about taking that gun and walking outside with it, right? And so that is sort of this issue that is a big question. And I think why now? I think because there's been a bunch of justices who have signaled their interest in answering that question. Mm-hmm. And I think Barrett is very clear. Uh, she's had uh, several cases when she was serving on the Seventh Circuit where it's clear that she is sort of in the Scalia mold on the Second Amendment. Um, I think the, there's a feeling among conservatives that the lower federal courts have not have not been applying the Second Amendment standards um strongly enough, hmm. strictly enough so for sort of their hmm. their perspective. And so um, I think there is some frustration on behalf of the conservative justices, guys like Justice Alito and Justice mm-hmm. Thomas and, and maybe Justice Barrett, who feel like it's time to um, set the lower court straight on what they think needs to be done here. Yeah. And, you know, we got to bring in the NRA National Rifle Association in a midterm year. I mean, more theatrics blow right. it up. Right. Um, it's you a big talking, case. It has, yeah. a, it has a potential for a lot of impact. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about some of the, the, the conservative justices and people were surprised. They were out in public, uh, you know, basically defending the court. Alito, he did kind of an unusual 10 point rebuttal on the Texas case. Uh, Thomas was blaming the media and Barrett was interesting. She she said, we're not political hacks as she was standing next to uh, Mitch McConnell, the Senate minority leader. But did you find that to be pretty unusual for them to be out there doing this? I think it is. I think it speaks to the moment. I mean, it's worth pointing out just on Barrett that, you know, uh, the McConnell Center is a bipartisan group like Biden has spoken there in the past. Um, however, uh, I will uh, say that the optics, as they say in Washington, uh, of that were <laughs> maybe sure. not the best. Yes, um, right, right. Uh, but um, I think that, you know, that is a legitimately a bipartisan institution. Um, uh, you know, look, everybody likes to blame the media. You know that, right? I mean, that's that's the go-to line. Um, yeah, sure. That's what I do with my wife all the time when we have a disagreement. <laughs> Uh, uh, so, um, you know, I just think that, um, I think that it's, I think it's, you know, I think, I think the justices are seeing all of the things we're talking about. They're seeing poll numbers slipping. They Mm -hmm. are seeing this effort, perhaps, perhaps not, perhaps doomed in some respect, but maybe not, you know, there, there are some talk of maybe if we don't expand the court, there's some transparency things that could be done. So, so um, I think they're seeing the slipping poll numbers. They're seeing seeing an effort toward changes at the court. Um, and look, you know, the court gets its legitimacy from people uh, believing that it's adjudicating these disputes um, in a nonpartisan way. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that um, that explains why they're out. Um, they're out doing these defenses. It's not just the conservatives, by the way. Um, of course, uh, Justice Breyer has been out. Um, he's, of course, selling a book, but um, mm-hmm. he's been out making the same point for more than a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think there's sort of this by not to get, use the word bipartisan, but there's this this um, effort on both uh, sides of the judicial aisle to um, to try to like, you know, I guess from their perspective, inform the public about what mm-hmm. they're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I think the issue is like, is anybody buying it? Yeah, I just don't. I, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure. Yeah. And I've always I, 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 I don't like when they do it because I just think that this court should 
could kind of should stand on its own and, and by what it does. And, you know, I, for what Trump, whatever anybody says about him, one of the, the key things that he kind of said during the debate is that elections have consequences. And, um, you know, the court is a consequence of the election. And, you know, I guess we just got to deal with it. But um, uh, battle over church and state also coming up. How would that uh, appear in the court this this term? I mean, this is just one of these areas where the court, I think, like guns, there are a number of people on the court who feel like religion has kind of gotten short shrift, that it's become a second class protection. And so you see um, a bunch of cases and a bunch of interesting contexts um, coming up. It's, it, 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 I'm not going to say it started with the COVID cases, but that's kind of when I started on the beat. Um, uh, you started seeing these COVID cases coming up where states were... Mm-hmm imposing limits on indoor capacity and the Mm. churches and synagogues and mosques said, Hey, wait a minute. Like you can't do that. Right. We have a first amendment protection of Mm -hmm. religion and you can't tell us that we can only have 20 parishioners in this building. Um, And uh, you know, once Barrett got on the court, the court started basically agreeing with those arguments Mm -hmm. that, um, Hey, you know, uh, you can't, can't do that. Um, And there was a big case last term dealing with um, LGBTQ rights and um, a Catholic foster care agency. They didn't want to screen same sex um, families for potential foster care placement. Um, court said that that that, um, that they were allowed to do that. Right. So you see the court moving in this direction of protection, protecting religious claims. So now we've got uh, two big cases before the court on this issue. One deals with um, religious schools in Maine. So Maine, you know, like a rural place, lots of woods. Um, I've been up there. I was up there uh, recently. Yeah. There's moose walking around. And, and and there are, you know, parts of the state where you don't have high schools. And right. in places where you don't have high schools, the state says, all right, we will give you the money that we would have spent on educating your child, your student. Uh, we'll give you that money and you can send their kid to private school or another public school or whatever. And this family wants to use that money for a private, for a religious school. And the state says, no, you can't do that because um, we've got a, you know establishment clause in the First Amendment that says we can't like be endorsing religion. And so that's the rub. Um, but that's fascinating. Yeah. Sort of there's two parts of the First Amendment. There's the establishment clause and there's the freedom of exercise, the exercise clause. And so these two things are frequently in conflict. And, um, you know, the families say, look, we would have had this money anyway. Right? Sure. Um, we, pay, we paid. This is money we paid in in our taxes. And yeah. the state counters that. Yeah, but, you know, we can't, you know, we're not going to have this um, going for religious schools. So they made the mistake of asking, right? Okay, can we yeah. use this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the other case that the court just picked up, uh, just picked up uh, a couple of days ago was a case, is a case about the city of Boston that has like a flag raising ceremony at City Hall. And like, if you're a group mm-hmm. and you want to go like raise the flag, it's like a community thing, get some promotion for your group or whatever, um, civic groups. And this religious group wants to raise a flag city. Boston says, no, can't do it because you're a religious group. And so um, this group sued and the court is going to decide that case as well. I'll just say, like, you know, you spent some time in, in Maryland, Jerry, you know, like the Bladensburg cross, right, was a big oh, case. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, can the cross be on public land? Mm-hmm. And the court mm-hmm. is just moving in the direction of siding with these religious entities. And you never want to predict, but gosh, you know, like, it seems to me like um, these religious claimants have, a, have, have a, at least have a good environment 
on which to bring these claims. Yeah, not a slam dunk, but pretty close. Pretty close. Affirmative action, let's stay in Boston. Harvard University uh, has standards that support, um, you know, giving way to African-Americans, enrolling African-Americans. This is another um, issue that's coming up um, and it's been up before. Um, How does it play in this post-George Floyd climate, you know, when the country's going through such a big racial reckoning? Does that factor in at all, do you think? Man, it's a great question. I don't know. I mean, I think that um, so this this affirmative action case is not the court hasn't taken it yet. And what the court did was it said, well, we want to hear from the United States government. You know, the court often does that if there's a case that um, it thinks the government, the federal government has an interest in and the federal government's not a party, it will ask hey, guys, like, what do you think about this? Right. Mm-hmm. And we all know what the Biden administration is going to say. <laughs> yeah. About, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so it's not it's a, it's a little bit it's hard to see what they did there as anything other than a delay. Um, but you have to ask yourself if they're delaying it and not denying it outright. Does that mean they want to take it? They just don't want to take it yet. So I I think, (laughs) you know, all of these previews, including ours, these term previews have hit on this Harvard case. Um, Look, you know, Roberts has got this point of view. Roberts is sort of famous for saying, well, if you want to end racial discrimination, well, just end racial discrimination, like stop, you know. And I think um, where a lot of the country is heading right now is that, well, it's a little more complicated than that. Right. Um, and I suspect that the experts I talk to seem to think that the court is moving in a direction to further limit, um, these, these policies intended to diversify campuses. Um, you know, that's one I wouldn't be as quick to predict on, um, you know, whether they're going to take it a and B what they're going to do with it. But I think you're right, man. Like, you know, everything that's going on in the country with race right now, um, that's just leave pretty, it alone. Yeah. yeah. The best, best I mean, thing to do is just leave it alone, it's, it's, right? It's a heck of a it's a really it's a really hard one. It's a hard yes, one. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, what do you what are your predictions? What do you what do you think interests you the most kind of looking at this thing coming up? Uh well look, I think it's all about abortion in Mississippi. And you know, I hate to predict. Um I I I feel like um there's a good chance Mississippi uh prevails here the question is by how much mm-hmm. um you know and, and what is the impact on that case in other states i mean really the same thing in all of these cases right like you've got all of these cases that are sort of queued up for conservative oh wins. sure yeah um and i i think that i think that you know it is a conservative court and i would be sort of surprised if the conservatives don't win the question always is by how much and right. how much room is there for when you want to come back yeah exactly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and so i think that's that's sort of the thing that's harder um to predict but i suspect that you're going to see a bunch of conservative cases at a time when you know congress is democratic still and the Mm -hmm. president's democratic Mm -hmm. you got this other institution that's off going in the other direction yeah it's kind of interesting with that texas kick i'm here in florida and they legislature passed a bill right after that so you you're right i mean they're just they're going to be popping up all over always great to talk to you always grateful for you coming on you give us great insight anybody who wants to learn about the supreme court you follow john fritzy at usa today and you will be up to date thank you buddy thanks chair And we will be back next week with another thrilling edition of the Retail Politics Podcast. Until then, always remember, 
to read beyond the headlines. Have a great week. With the front row, award-winning reporter Gerard Shields takes you into the vanishing world of print news to a time when stories were reported, not invented or twisted. Imagine you have press credentials in the front row with Shields throughout his decades-long newspaper career, covering political corruption, scandal, and heroics during the critical events of our time. With dozens of Amazon five-star reviews, Shields' latest work, The Front Row, is a passionate study of American journalism while delivering his own invaluable life lessons. The Front Row by Gerard Shields. Available now at Amazon.com.